great guest in today. Yeah. I'm, I'm a massive fan of this guy. He's a comedian, beer lover, and just a very burly, manly man who <laughs> 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 have always sort of been intimidated to talk to, but I'm so glad to have this guy on. Harley Breen, welcome Thank to the Thank you show. very much, gentlemen, for having me. And I want to pick up on that intimidated to talk to. I have had that a lot. Mm. People have um, uh, expressed that to me. Um, one of, one of uh, now a close mate of mine, um, Adam Rosenbachs, a uh, fantastic yes. comedian, uh, also was the, um, my, the writer on Taboo with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that, that he was intimidated. I'm like, why? <laughs> well, like, I don't understand. Like, I feel like I'm an approachable, <laughs> relatively happy guy, depending on the day you get me. And then every now and then I catch myself in the mirror beside mm. somebody else um, or in a photo yeah. with someone else. I go, fuck, I am massive. <laughs> massive. Yeah. I'm yeah. really. I wasn't uh, expecting yeah. you to be that tall, honestly. Yeah, I'm a big boy. <laughs> and at the moment I'm, I'm rocking a very big beard as well. Yeah, and yeah. I, and, and so, it suits you. It thank suits you. 100%. Um, I did it by doing nothing. Yeah. And <laughs> So I, I, I feel like that doesn't help. And, and on occasion uh, over the course of my life, I've had a shaved head. Currently I have hair down the middle of my back, um, which is a uh, flow on from the pandemic. Um, couldn't get my hair cut and then just yeah. decided not to. But I've, I've had a shaved head multiple times and then I really look quite nasty. Yeah. Yeah, not not great. <laughs> so, yeah. sorry, but no, um, no, anyone listening, I'm approachable. You can come say good day. Um, Dan told me that you you were into bikes. Uh, is that is that true? Uh, push bikes or motorbikes? Motorbikes. Actually, both. Yeah, I'm, both? I'm into yeah. both anyway. Yeah. Um, I uh, my push bike is one of my prized possession. Um, mm-hmm. It's a completely black bike, so it's called Wesley. I name yeah. all of my things. <laughs> you name um, all of your things. Yeah, any mode of transport all gets uh, all name. get names. Yeah, yeah I yeah. name my camera. Yeah, great. Yeah, something Good. like that. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. If you love something, then you should you name, name it, it yeah. because then it personalises it. Like out the front um, is my vintage Land Cruiser, whose name is Princess Fiona, yeah. um, <laughs> because that. she's like Shrek's wife, yeah. um, a little beast. <laughs> Um, my family car, the Subaru Forester, of course, I have one of those because mm. I have children. Um, is called Sexy Ellen. Sexy um, Ellen. now that it's a, a gender neutral car, okay. um, yeah. no one knows whether it's an Alan with an A or Ellen with an E. <laughs> uh, that, that was named by uh, my then six year old, uh, who I asked, What should we name the baby? So I was welcoming my second child. About to welcome my fourth child to the world. Fuck. Thank you. Um, (laughs) And he said, let's call it Sexy Ellen. I'm like, that's very funny. (laughs) Uh, But we'll call the car that. Anyway, yes, and I am into motorbikes. I have not owned a motorbike Mm. uh, in 22 years. Um, I I sold it to move here Mm. to Melbourne. I've now lived here for 21 years. What was the last bike you had? It's the only bike I've ever owned. It was a Honda XR. Um, so, so it's a trail bike that oh, I um I rode on oh, the roads and on trails. trails. Uh, I used to go trail riding. Um it's just a little two fifty because that was the law when yeah. you were on your in those days when you're on your uh, learners and peas, you could only have a two fifty. Mm. Uh but I had access to uh, a Kawasaki Vulcan. Oh yeah. Um, which is a fifteen hundred cc Harley Davidson looking bike. It was my dad's and uh Ducati Monster, which was a six hundred cc, which was my brother's. Um but I love them. I think they're great. Yeah. Um are you a cruiser or a naked uh, sports guy? Definitely a naked. Naked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a cafe racer. Cafe kind racer of the best thing. Yeah, I I would I would like to get another one, but um 
uh, as I call a lot of people who ride motorbikes, they're temporary Australians. You do have that look, uh, Harley. You have that uh, be- hair, beard, <laughs> yeah, tattoos, yeah. racer bike. It's it's an Instagram photo waiting to be happened. It's all there. <laughs> yeah, yeah all look, there. Um, I, I don't I don't know that it's in my future. I kind of think if you ride a motorbike all the time, mm. then you can ride it into your mm. old age. And and I'm not saying I'm old age, but I am 43, and my body's starting to give away mm. and my back's sore, all of that. And I think if you have too much time off it, it's probably not for you. Mm. You know, you've, yeah. you've got to be very, you've got to know what you're doing. At the moment I'm driving a, a, a 45-year-old car that's just solid metal um, <laughs> and that's kind of what I need. And it's beautiful. I was, check, I was checking that out. Just it's a good-looking car. It's a good-looking yeah. car. Yeah. Been yeah. stolen. Got it back. That's right. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a, there's a crime wave in my street. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. the moment, um, I'm, I live in the inner west, and uh, there's been a car stolen one day. The next night, my car was broken into the Subaru. Yes. The next night, uh, another car was broken into. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really on edge about that car <laughs> at the moment because uh, they're kind of irreplaceable. Yeah, um, a lot of them from that era were taken up the beach and um, uh, destroyed with salt water. How did um, you get it back? Um, well, I did a, a, a social media campaign to try yeah. and help me find it, um, which is still the most successful thing I've ever put up online. <laughs> I try and get people to share my show advertising. Um, please come to our show and it'll get two or three <laughs> likes. This one had like, I don't know, 300 shares. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the, the guys who stole it sent me a ransom note. Um, oh, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Wow. It's so great. Like on them. I, on them. I, I get to g- genuinely give yeah. myself a gratuitous plug right here because I yeah. it ended my show. Yeah, I love this so much. Um, <laughs> which was originally called Relentless, um, but the special is called Flat Out yeah. because Bill Hicks did a special called <laughs> Relentless, and I was just saving myself the hassle of yeah. online idiots going, "Oh, you think you're Bill Hicks? No, I don't." Uh, anyway, um, the end of that is the story, the saga of the car being stolen, the ransom note. And then they drove it into the bush to do as they said in the ransom note that they would to set it on fire. And um, because I'm so bad at car maintenance, because uh, I'm just a romantic when it comes to cars, I don't know anything about them, um, the tyres were bald and they got it bogged up to the axles oh, and right beside a train line and a railway worker saw it and oh. uh, called the cops and uh, as the police said to me, it's pretty hard to set fire to a car that's half deep in mud. So um, I got it back. <laughs> so lucky. It's yeah. such a lucky car. Yeah, she is lucky, a lucky yeah, car. She's yeah. a lucky car. Yeah. I, <clears throat> we were talking a little bit prior, for, uh, prior to the podcast actually starting about your TV show that you did a few years ago called Taboo, mm. which I just... One of the best shows I've seen. Oh, thank you, man. Didn't get in recommissioned a, in a while. I know it was only a <laughs> four-episode show, short but sweet. And I'm mm. just wondering if you could talk a bit about that show. Like, how did it come together? Um, well, it's um, I often get credited with coming up with the idea, which is um, <laughs> uh, I correct it any time it happens in front of me. But there are people who believe it was purely my idea, and it's the only thing I don't like about the idea is that it wasn't mine. Um, it was actually a creation of a Belgian comic, um, and uh, the pro- production company that made it here in Australia just bought the rights for it, and um, uh, we had a discussion about whether or not I would do it, and. Um, I remember the phone call feeling because we did the pilot which was about physical disability and I'll explain in a minute how the show works for those who don't know it. Um, when they explained it to me I felt 
so daunted about the concept of what they were pitching to me. But the next day I was flying to Russia for the World Cup. So I just didn't have a lot of time to process it. And I spent three weeks in Russia filming social media content for the Socceroos. Um, what a crazy and amazing gig. Yeah. And then the day I got back I went straight on to Taboo. Yeah. So I think it was kind of a good thing, to be honest, yeah. to not because um, otherwise the idea would have completely yeah. overwhelmed me. Just straight into it. Yeah, yeah and so the, the concept was basically uh, it's a documentary um, is where it sits as a category of me um, going on a holiday with four people in that instance uh, with a physical disability and then um, writing material, comedy, about them specifically and, and, and their physical disabilities and what they're up against and then performing that stand-up in front of them and their friends and family. Mm. And as soon as you say that, you're like, that is the worst idea. That's such <laughs> yeah. a, why would you do that? <laughs> and I remember when it was announced um, by Channel 10 uh, that it was going to be a part of uh, Pilot Week up with, uh, I don't know, six or eight other shows that would then get publicly voted on to see who would be commissioned to do more episodes. Um, the backlash was swift and fierce. The, mm. the, there was so many people going, what a horrible man that he would do this, make fun of people with a physical disability. Um, they probably, uh, no, not probably, definitely should have waited to have that kind of online vitriol about a, sub, uh, about a uh, TV show they had no concept yeah. of. Yeah. I can understand <laughs> that on paper you'd go, that's a bad idea. But the idea is only successful because of the consent provided by the participants. The idea doesn't mm. work without the participants. They consented and I didn't go out there and um, destroy them. Mm. That was never my intention and nor would that have worked. And so I've always described what I did as a soft roast. Mm. You know, it's, it, yeah. it wasn't um, like, like watching some of those American roasts by any stretch but it was... It was a following that kind of Aussie, Aussie tradition of rinsing your mates because yeah. it's fun. Yeah. And so the jokes weren't about disability. The jokes were about their disabilities and them specifically. Mm -hmm. So the only people I actually cared about if they laughed or not was those four people. Four people. Yeah. You, you did that whole documentary uh, and you must have been with all those people for a number of days, I'm guessing. Did you form sort of an attachment to them and while you were writing our material did you ever hold, hold yourself back and you said it was a soft roast yes but did you had some uh, some ideas like i wish i could just say this joke no i just said all everything, <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah definitely um i mean i don't I, I genuinely i don't think i'm a particularly nasty person so yeah. i didn't write particularly nasty things i wrote some stuff that didn't make it in but that i don't think that was because they were too harsh they were undercooked mm. the, the greatest um challenge i had was that I spent a, about five days with them and then I had a, roughly two weeks to write the comedy mm. and um, that's just not enough time. Mm. I told that to the mm. production company, I told it to the network. Um, the guy that created the idea uh, in Belgium um, had six months oh, um, to write his stuff yeah. and that's I think about an no, appropriate no, amount no, of time yeah. to develop any kind of really um, good show. Like, mm. a, like an understanding of who they are. Like totally, and you work it and mm -hmm. you give it trial space. Very hard material to trial because mm. you need them in the room for yeah. the context. So True. I did try some trials which just died a death. <laughs> like I've never died like it. Um, so that that was the big challenge was the, was the timeline. I mean, I think it's... Um, pretty indicative of Australian television. We, we don't, uh, in general, let things have time to breathe. 
Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite once something gets commissioned in Australia, they want it now. Now, yeah. And you're like, mm. but it, I just need the time. And you know, I I was performing the stand up to a, roughly about eighty people in a TV studio. Again, the um, the guy that came up with the concept. I wish I had his name. I keep trying to get it in my head, but I can't get it. It'll be something um, Frenchy sort of sounding. <laughs> anyway, um, Philippe maybe. Anyway, um, uh, he was in a three-tiered theatre, you know, mm, and, yeah. and so the roar yeah. there was amazing. Yeah. I still think uh, the, the production company and the editor did an f- exceptional job bringing that show together. Mm. Um, but, yeah, if I had my time again, we would we would let that stand up part of it breathe a bit. Mm, I'll let it cook and yeah, just, you know, yeah. mature a bit. But to the best of my knowledge, nobody that was involved in that show uh, were offended by anything that uh, that I did. Um, and to answer the question, uh, a bond with them, I have a bond with all of them because mm-hmm. uh, how could you not? I think yeah. it just yeah. even if I just yes. went on holiday yeah. with you two for five days mm. in a house, we'd, we'd have that, yeah. Yeah. We'd connection. Have that f- connection. Absolutely yeah. we would, mm. yeah. True. Well, I think um, well, those people that you spent time with, disabled people, people with mental health issues, the wider community are always sort of walking on eggshells around mm. whatever's whatever their issue is. But having someone, you know, say, hey, oh, no, this is this is your issue. Let me make fun of it in a jovial, yeah. friendly way. That would sort of, I would imagine, help them to some degree... Um, feel a little bit better about, yeah. about their whole situation. Well, I think um, the, the the other real genius was the casting, right? Mm. And I, I didn't do that. So it was casting the right people and all of those people wanted to be involved in, in the, the concept, the experiment, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, and and it's... Um, it's not. It's not. It's not an easy thing to come about. But I have always been fairly um, blunt yeah. uh, in mm. my life. Anyway, yeah. I'll just. I'll just say it. Mm. And and I think the reason that people walk around on eggshells is for good reason. Mm. They don't want to offend. Yeah. And something really stuck with me. Unfortunately, it happened within um, the first day or two of that first episode with physical disability, Jason um, was the guy that uh, jumped into a foam pit at a trampolining centre um, and hit the bottom and the, then was a para, uh, uh, quadriplegic, I think is his definition, from the sternum down. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, if you don't joke about us, we don't exist. Yeah. I, uh, really, I love that. Yeah. yeah, it was a really strong moment for wow. me personally going ahead and trying to write this stuff. Because uh, and and D, um, who was on that episode as well, who had uh, SMA, SMA anyway, uh, it's like sort of motor motor neuron disease. Um, she was like, "I want your kids to come up and ask me. It's fine if your kids come mm. up and ask me about the chair and why mm. I'm in it. Don't usher them away yeah. like like we're some sort of freak yeah, that can't yeah, be exactly. talked to." Yeah, yeah. And so all of that is well and good, but I think for the day-to-day person, they just don't know how to do it. Yeah, they don't know how to approach that person. Yeah, and and they just desperately don't want to offend. So I guess I would say in general I think it's um, it's fine just to have a conversation and um, if you want to ask a question, be respectful about it. But also maybe don't ask why they're in the wheelchair, just say, how you going? Yeah. Have a yarn. Um, I think people sometimes put a filter in front of you uh, and they see people other people differently i i'm gonna give i'm gonna give you an example uh, i saw this video on internet 
and this guy uh what he did was he dressed it up it dressed up in a very traditional uh like how a chinese person would dress up mm-hmm. and he went to um like a college and he was like what do you think my address is? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, offense. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen those yeah, videos? Yeah, I've seen those videos. Yeah. I, saw, I saw it with a guy dressed up like a Mexican. Yeah. yeah. And he went to the, uh, like a university and they're like, no, it's offensive. Why are you dressing like... And yeah. he went to the, a Mexican market and asked Mexican people like, yes. is this offensive? Like, no, you look good. Yes. So I think it, that filter people have... It, I don't. I never understand that. Well, I would say, first of all, that video is particularly um, uh, well edited to manipulate oh. um so <laughs> that person's made that video and yeah. taken all of the 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 uh, quote-unquote woke looking, looking people yeah. from university <laughs> yeah, saying no true. it's offensive and yeah. then gone and specifically filmed mexicans saying no it's great, great. and yeah. therefore we get to watch that and go see they think it's funny yeah. well no that's that's not how it works and that's not yeah. how offense works um and then on the other hand i just i think there's so much discussion about people being offended yeah. um, and I, you know, oh, there's plenty of commentary around it. I, I, I don't deliberately aim to offend anyone, anyone but if yeah. you are, um, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> I'm yeah. not even sorry because um, it wasn't my intention. Yeah. Like it's not yeah, yeah. Um, what I'm aiming at and and I think the the proof is always in how the joke go. Yes. How the joke go well. Now that doesn't always work. I'll give you an example. I used to run a... Uh, a gig up the snow at Mount Buller and uh, I'd take a group of comedians up and every year <laughs> there was a snowboard instructor that wanted to be on the bill and I was like, fine, man, you can jump up and do five minutes in the first bracket and um, he'd all, always get a bit of a, a hometown advantage, like his first mm. sort of 30 seconds to a minute would go very, very yeah. well <laughs> because everyone in the room knew him because it was a gig just for staff at Mount Buller and then it had peter off a little bit because... Well, he probably does one gig a year. Um, and then this one year we turned up and again he was there. He goes, can I get up? I'm like, yeah, man. And um, he ran a joke by me. And um, he goes, what do you think of that? And I said, oh, I think it's racist. <laughs> and he's like, what? Um, I'm like, yeah, I, I just think it's racist. And I, I, you've asked him my opinion. I don't think you should do it. Anyway, he did it. He got on stage and did it and got a really great response, got a huge laugh and he goes, ha you said it wouldn't be funny. And I went, oh, I absolutely did not yes. say it wouldn't True. be funny. I said, I don't think you should do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very clear uh, that it was funny and it kind of compounds the fucking issue because yeah. now not only have you done a racist joke but everyone in the room has laughed at the racist joke yeah. Yeah. and what if that person who was the target in that joke was in that room. Yeah. You, you don't hear them not laughing. True. Mm-hmm. And feeling uh, yeah. um, pointed out and and um, anyway. Um, it also, the joke wasn't dependent on. So he did an accent, right? And and it just wasn't dependent on it. The joke mm. could have existed without the accent. So mm. that's why I was querying. I'm like, so why the accent? I guess because it's funny. funny. I'm like, well. <laughs> Yeah, I guess blackface used to be funny too. Yeah. So yeah. why don't you do that? <laughs> True. Yeah. But again, I, I'm not. I'm not the. I'm not the rule maker. Do whatever you want. I'm wondering if you can um, take us back a little bit and um, how did this journey in comedy for you start? Uh, look, there's a whole lot of different ways that it starts. Um, I guess that's the case for, for any, anyone answering this question. Um, there's all sorts of different little seeds that were planted mm-hmm. over the course of, of my adolescence. Um, I was always... Um, making my family laugh and I was certainly always attempting to make my school friends laugh in, in class, G- getting in trouble every day really at school. Um, 
kind of describe myself as the the Bart Simpson style of mm-hmm. naughty boy. Yeah. You know, I was just trying to be jovial and fun and it was very annoying to the teachers and um, but I was very annoyed by their shit education system. So, you know, I was mm. just trying mm. to make things a bit more exciting for me. I, I got voted class clown of the year in um, both grade 8, 9 and 10, which is also when I left school. Was, was it, Sorry, was that a validation for you? Absolutely it was, yeah, yes. but my mum my cried. Um, <laughs> it was a huge validation sorry, for me. I loved it. And then... Um, uh, I guess the, the 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 jump off point was uh, I had gone through a lot of different jobs. Uh, I'd gone back and finished my year twelve. I'd done a pre-vocational course in carpentry joinery. I was really trying to find where I was at, and then I'd started a university degree in um, psychology anthropology, and um, I also I just wanted to be an actor. I'd done a couple of things. Uh, in, in that kind of space and um, then found out from um, a friend of my dad's about NIDA, um, the National mm-hmm. Institute of Dramatic Art uh, in Sydney that I had, I'd never heard of and they do a, an open audition every year to take on, I think they take 18 students every year mm-hmm. and there are hundreds if not thousands of people who audition for that school every year and it's um, gruelling and intimidating to do those auditions. So I auditioned for NIDA, I auditioned for WAPA, uh, which is the one over in the West Australian Academy of Performing Arts, and for um, <coughs> VCA down here in Melbourne. Uh, and for WAPA and NIDA I did quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I thought I was under the belief I was going to WAPA that uh, I'd got in there. I didn't eventuate in both schools. Because you, you go through, you know, the first round and then you get a call back and you do that audition and then you get, it dwindles down. And, mm. and I think with NIDA it was it was probably about 50 people left on the table and uh, with Whopper they took nine, 18 and I was 19. Was, wow. Well, that's probably the story I've created mm. in my own head. <laughs> um, but I was definitely, you know, waiting on the call. Mm. I'd, I'd made the final step. And um, both of them schools said a fairly similar thing to me that I needed to go get some experience. I was a bit green. I'm like, that makes no sense. You're a school. You're an acting school. Yeah. Isn't that where I get <laughs> the experience? So then I went to go, okay, well, I've got to get some experience so I can audition for the next year, the next round. And um, I was trying to – I was just so naive. I had no idea of how to get acting work. Um, so I was sort of – I went to a couple of um, theatre groups to audition and incredibly clicky and have their own sort of ensemble mm-hmm. cast – core group and, and um, you know, I, I was sort of eye-rolled out of the place. I'm like, okay, well, it didn't work. And then I was like, well, maybe theatre restaurants. I'll go – I can go and work at a theatre restaurant. <laughs> theatre restaurant. <laughs> yeah, so I opened up the Yellow Pages. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and um, started flicking through and found theatre restaurants and, and right beside that was an advertisement for the sit-down comedy club in Brisbane. And my dad was the one that said that I should do stand-up comedy and I'd already said, I don't think that you know what you're talking about. It's a very different um, skill to be funny with your family and your friends mm. than there is to entertain people on stage. Same, yeah. But I saw it and went, well, why not? That's stage time. Yeah. You know, mm. it's it's kind of um, acting adjacent. I could, uh, you know, <laughs> wasn't have a go. So I called them up uh, and just... So naive. I just I had no idea. I'd never seen stand-up comedy. Yeah. I'd never been to a live show ever. 
and um, I just went, can I get a gig? And I was so surprised they said yes. Yeah. Turns out it was just an open mic night and anyone could turn up and do a gig. <laughs> it was the Queen's Arms Hotel in New Farm in Brisbane. And uh, now it's, that whole area has been unbelievably gentrified. Then it was a fucking dive. It was a really <laughs> sketchy place. In fact, I was on stage one night a few months later and um, this uh, uh, the sound of a um, fan belt slipping went past as I was on stage <laughs> and I went, ha, that sounds like my car. <laughs> I got off stage and went, oh, it turns out that was my car. <laughs> just, so it was, it was a rough sort of area. Anyway, I turned up and I did five minutes of comedy and um, just really caught the bug and I um, turned my back on acting, um, didn't try out for those schools again, um, didn't really audition for the next decade for any kind of show isn't just really focused on stand-up. And you really dodged a bullet with a uh, theatre restaurant. <laughs> no, I didn't. I could have been in the Faulty Towers experience. <laughs> what is a theatre restaurant? Uh, so um, the, the, what's the Witches and Bridges? Witches and Bridges or something like and, that, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. What's the other one, the, the main one? Um, um, oh, they all keep closing down. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were a really big thing yeah. uh, in the 90s and the 2000s. In fact, the one, um, I can't remember the name of it now because they've, um, they've got one here in Melbourne and they've got one in the Gold Coast. Name will come to me. Uh, there was a time in that, about that time when I was looking at going to audition mm. for them that the one in the Gold Coast was the biggest grossing restaurant in Australia. Wow. They made the most money out of anywhere else in Australia because it turns out Queensland Bogans love a theatre restaurant. (laughs) So, you know, it's just dinner and a show. You sit out and there's a full show and Mm. it's like being on a cruise ship on land. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Um, I think as a... Dracula's. That's the one I was looking for. Dracula's. Oh, okay. I've never been there. Um, it's probably a good thing. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not missing it. I think as a creative person who had who didn't go to the traditional route of looking for a job, or which you did eventually, but I think everyone, every one of those people, have a leap of faith moment. Mm. What was your leap of faith moment? Um, I. Uh, <sighs> for some reason came up with the idea that I should be a full-time comedian after doing it for five years. Uh, Everybody's journey is so completely different. Um, So there's definitely don't listen to this um, if you're getting into comedy and think five years is an appropriate amount of time. It might be way too long. Mm -hmm. Um, In my opinion, it is way too short. Uh, It takes quite a bit of time to um, earn a living. In fact, I would even go as far as saying in Australia it's almost impossible to only earn a living from stand-up comedy. Yeah. Our country's too big, that we don't have a big enough popula- uh, big in landmass, we don't have a big enough population to fill that, yeah. uh, there aren't enough gigs. I'm getting, I got an offer for a gig the other day that I'm not going to mention what it is because it's, it's not about a witch hunt, but the money is the same that I was offered 20 years ago. Mm. The money is shit, wow. it's very difficult, it, I, I would say almost impossible to just do stand-up comedy without some sort of um, ads, radio, television, you know, certainly big paying corporates, it's going to take you a long time to get those. You're going to need some sort of profile to be booked for corporates anyway, so that comes back to TV, radio. But I decided (laughs) five years was enough. Um, And so when five years rolled around, I just pulled the pin and went full-time as a comic. And um, it was difficult for about ten yeah, it was a real it was a real slog. I didn't really get any television or 
any meaningful television or radio for 10 years, so 15 years of doing comedy, I didn't really have anything and I'm now 22 years in so it's really only the last seven mm. that I have done anything um, that has helped my profile uh, um, in part in terms of selling tickets and things like that but also earning money in a meaningful way from those sort of bigger contracts. What was the difficult part? Was it the first five years or the or the next ten after that? The, the next gig is always next. the hardest. Mm-hmm. The next thing is always the hardest. The, you know, people, there's a saying, you're only as good as your last gig. Mm. Um, but that's in the past, so you're yeah. not as good as that. You're well, you don't know when the next, next gig. gig is yes, coming. you don't. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm currently in, in a bit of a uh, transitional point anyway um, because the business model it to a certain extent is um, based on finding the leprechaun and, and getting mm. that pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Like it, there's some of the things that I've done even um, over the COVID years, especially over the COVID mm. years, that have come out of nowhere I and have, you know, dropped into my lap. Now you could say, well, that's because of previous work and you've mm. um, proven yourself and I should get the sort of gigs mm. that I get. But but I literally had things just go blop and if they didn't, I genuinely don't know how I would have paid the bills and bought food for my family. Mm. And while it's been great and I've made money, mm. it's very daunting Yeah, waiting for that thing to drop in your lap again yeah. and uh, it's not sustainable and it's incredibly stressful as certainly when you just don't stop breeding like me. <laughs> How many kids do you have now? I have three with one three. on the way. Yeah, right. Yeah, Four. yeah, yeah. And the the fourth was uh, was quite the shock surprise. <laughs> we shouldn't we shouldn't be shocked or surprised at this stage. We know how it happens, but uh, um, we didn't think it was happening. And um, I'm overjoyed. I'm, I'm excited. I'm daunted, but I'm I'm genuinely yeah. excited. It's great. We had the ultrasound the other day, and you know you you can get a bit blasé about these things when you've already three kids deep. And I was in the room with my wife and looking up at the this creature inside her moving around. I'm like, that's sick. That's yeah, awesome. It's awesome. It's actually exciting. Yeah. But, you know, I've got to keep working. I to keep that money coming in and we uh, – it's a hard industry in Australia. You know, I've got mates uh, both in the UK and the US that can literally just go out on the circuit and earn an annual wage. That, Like I've said, that's mm. pretty unattainable here in Australia. Did you ever think that – Okay, look, this is, it's hard here. Maybe I should try moving to someplace else. Yeah, yeah. I was I was on the verge of doing exactly that um, in two thousand and nine. Uh, I was doing a run of gigs uh, with a chain of comedy clubs in the UK called Jonglers. People will have different opinions of that place, both good and bad. For me, they paid a very good wage um, for what I was doing. I was hosting their shows all, all over England, um, getting fairly decent pounds for doing that. Um, and they went bust while I was there. Um, and so I pulled the pin on that trip because uh, I lost half of the gigs that I've been booked for and um, got on a plane and came back to Australia. I was still with the intention of getting back to the UK and, and working there and um, my now ex-wife uh, announced that she was pregnant when we came home. So <laughs> that ended that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, and and I wouldn't want my child to ever hear that and think it's him that... Um, stop me from going back to England, but it it certainly was just a, it was a change in in priority. I was like, well, I can't be yeah, doing that now. Can't be doing yeah. that. Yeah. With a family, um, how do you find the time to sit down and write material? Uh, I don't is the, <laughs> is the short answer, and I think the best example of it um, is the last show that I did, Relentless, 
Mm. Um, it's, I mean, every comic says this about the last show that they did, uh, but it's one of my favourite shows. I mm. really loved it. I loved performing it every night. On it, Amazon Prime right now? It is. Yes. No, no, uh, oh. on um, Paramount. Paramount. Paramount Plus. Plus. Oh, that's right. It is. And it I is think too. you could probably but even. You can watch it on Prime as well. Yeah, can you? You can. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. If you have a Paramount Plus subscription, you can watch it through right. Prime. That's why I. In my mind. And also yeah. it's now played on Channel 10, so I'd imagine maybe it's sitting on 10 Play. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, that is – and I I don't uh, – sort of uh, – I'm a little bit reluctant to even reel it cause, uh, reveal it because on one hand it might sound like I'm being arrogant and on the other hand it might sound like I'm lazy and neither is the truth. But that show I did not sit down and put pen to paper on. I just got on stage and did it. And I've never mm. done that before. I've spoke before about I think it's about six months to write a show. I that I I lived that the the show was a lived experience, but it so the show that was cancelled because of COVID. I think I was then going to do in twenty twenty one at the Sydney Comedy Festival, mm. and I just did a quick refresher mm-hmm. trial just in front of eight people um, in a small room, and I walked out after it, and I called my manager, and I went, "That show is dead. Like mm. it's so dated because of COVID. It was mm-hmm. the, the show was called Only Words, and it was uh, about taboo. Yeah, um, and it also had these stories in it about going to Russia and going to Las Vegas." And it just was really on the nose to be talking about that as everyone was locked down and yeah. couldn't go anywhere yeah. and everything felt very dated and um, I was having to give so much context for people to get what I was talking mm. about. I have to explain what taboo was and, you know, then then talk about going overseas and then be like, you know, like we used to, it was just all clunky. I said, I don't think I can um, do the show. Mm. And so then when the, the show rolled around that I was doing, I... Uh, did the opening and closing of that show only words and in the middle just it just said, was honest I, I said i just don't know if i can do this show and here's what's happened mm. and just told them in a in a timeline of everything that went on mm. and then that became relentless um and so then that that was the show um the next year which was literally from it, it was just everything was in its time i uh, was um, the start of the pandemic, moving house, getting out to the bush, children getting into chaotic um, situations, yeah. not having any help from mm-hmm. family, driving north to get with family, getting stuck in lockdowns as we got north, car getting stolen, getting car back, and that was just how it was, yeah. yeah. Um, changing past a little bit, um, you're a really big fan of beer. Yes, right. I am. Yes. And it's uh, tattooed on my oh, arm. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a beer can tattooed on my arm. Um, I think I remember seeing a post quite a while ago. You brew your own beer as well, is that right? I've, I've definitely or you have done it. I've yeah. definitely done it. Uh, I still have all the gear. Yeah. Um, and I would say I'm a, paint, uh, a brew by numbers, paint by numbers mm-hmm. kind of brewer. I'm, I'm not that knowledgeable. I, yeah. I, get, I get the science behind it and I kind of buy... Basically kits. Yeah, same, really. same here. Yes. So I got mates who are very into brewing beer. Like they're, they know the science. They spend in, an entire day brewing and mashing grain. Yes. And they know all about their hops and their yeasts and everything like that. But I'm basic. I just get cans and a re- and recipe kits and yes. just do it in yeah. a normal fermenter and 
Pretty much um, that's all I've done. Yeah, yeah, with the Cooper's Cooper's kit. <laughs> well, I, I want to open a brewery. Yeah. Um, have wanted to for years and I, re- I recently just did a show um, at uh, the Hobart Brewing Company, mm-hmm. uh, which is an exceptional um, brewery, fantastic beers, have loved them, had them on my uh, now dead podcast, That's the Drink Talking. Um, Great podcast, by the way. Uh, thank Love you. Yeah. Uh, only 17 episodes. <laughs> um, and um, a, lo- a lovely place to do a gig as well uh, for Hobart Comedy. And uh, I got there early and one of the brewers um, had listened to that podcast as well and he goes, hey, do you want your own tour? And I went, I genuinely do. Please yeah. show me, tell yeah. me everything because I'm looking at doing this. Mm-hmm. It's starting a brewery. And at the end of, of our one-on-one tour, I went, I am absolutely not starting a brewery. That is <laughs> that is way too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just I yeah. was so overwhelmed. Yeah. Um the the knowledge you have to have uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know to do it not to mention the money. Yeah. Like mm. he, he he showed me their canning line. They've got their own canning line. It's a quarter of a million dollars <laughs> for the fucking canning <laughs> line. And then I just had a picture of me. I don't like. That's why I've got a, a, a tattoo of a can. I like beer in cans. Always have. Yeah. From way back when you, it just was the easiest way to pick the bogan because you had cans. <laughs> I loved them then. I love them now. But I just pictured me just individually capping bottles because it's yeah. the only thing yeah. I could yeah. afford to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just went, oh, I'm, maybe one day I will have uh, enough. Uh, of my own wealth to be an investor yeah. in somebody else's yeah. brewery so I can say I'm a p- part owner but I am definitely not setting that shit up. Yeah, I don't think I've got the sort of science knowledge no. or know-how to to do it but I, I do love making uh, beer from those those kits. It's very rewarding. Yeah. And like even though those kits are – and do you go to a, a, like a home brew house? Yeah, to yeah, get I do. Yeah. It's been a while since I've done it but um, I sort of like to mix and match the recipe kits Same. Well. So yeah. then you feel like you're You feel like you're, you're doing, a brewer. doing a pr- Yeah, exactly, um, a brewer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it is fun and you, yeah. you do it and then you – the beer, for some reason, is the best beer you'll ever drink yeah. because you put, you've done it, yeah. You, and, yeah. It, yeah. and there's such a joy at getting a mate over mm. and watching that mate drink your beer yeah. that you made. It's great, and I will get back to it. Um, we've kind of been in limbo where we live, and we're about to move yet again. And mm. hopefully, the next move will be a house that we can at least be in for five years. Mm. And so then I will properly unpack and yeah. and um, start brewing again. And I, and I might start trying to put things together a little bit myself, but I'll most likely just go get brew kits. You sort of don't realise how long that uh, bottling process oh, takes mate. as well. Look at RSI. takes ages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what makes a good beer? Um, well, I, th- I think it's what, what uh, the same answer goes for anything, go- uh, anything good in food, uh, mm. uh, consumables, is um, fresh ingredients. Like that's what like the, the one of the most important things for beer is water. Where do you get your water from? So um, there's no surprises that uh, Tasmania makes excellent beer. They have mm-hmm. excellent water. water. Um, Victoria has excellent beer mm-hmm. because we have um, this. I remember this fact from years before we ever had bottled water. Um, Melbourne tap water was sold overseas because it's one of the cleanest. Yeah. Uh, and I heard recently why that is. Uh, and now it slipped my mind, but we, we have a, an unbelievably clean water. So um, water is really important. Um, hops are really important if uh, d- that they're fresh as well. And obviously, people in those kits we don't mm-hmm. use fresh hops. <laughs> no. um, the 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 grain, whatever you're using, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think that's what makes a good beer is is and also fresh beer. So um, I heard this. I, I had a guy on that was um, runs a craft beer sort of uh, the element of the what's called the planting festival, uh, which is on the site at Woodford Folk Festival. They have a mid-year festival called the Planting Festival and it's about planting ideas and also literally planting trees mm. and they also have this sort of craft beer thing happen and I had him on a live unrecorded version of That's the Drink Talking at Woodford and we talked about it. He goes, a lot of time people think when a, a big multinational buys um, a, a craft beer or an independent brewery, they say they change the recipe. They almost definitely do not ever mm. change the recipe. Mm. What happens is they then start producing that beer at volume, bigger the volume than they've ever had, and it goes to places like Dan Murphy's and it sits on the shelf in yeah. warmth yeah. for longer and so yeah. the beer is not as good. The, the best beer I had at Hobart, um, they had... Um, what they call, I think he called it short pour cans. Mm. So just through the process, th- there'll be a few that just haven't been quite full and he just gave me a whole carton of those and it had been canned yesterday wow. and it was so great. It was mm. such a delicious beer. You want to have fresh beer you know, yeah, yeah. and you want it looked after and you also don't want it to travel. Mm. So anywhere I go, um, I try and have the beer that's as close to where I am um, because I think that's that's good for the environment that, mm-hmm. that we're not transporting. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that we should do with meat and vegetables sure. and, and all of that stuff is is get stuff within, you know, 100 k's of where you're, 200 k's where you are yeah. rather than coming. It's not that I don't occasionally drink international beers and my favourite brewery um, is actually out of Wellington, New Zealand called Garage Project. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm often yeah. um, drinking beer that's travelled. They do now have a brew house here in Melbourne. I believe that was the plans anyway. Um, but yeah, so it's drink close to the source and make sure the, the ingredients are fresh as you can get them. What's the best beer? For me, it's um, this is sort of modelled off uh, a garage project beer. I'm pointing to my mm. tattoo, um, uh, and it's it just says beer on the can because it's just a beer. Um, and when you say just a beer, I think it's genuinely accepted that that would either be a lager or a pilsner, mm. which are pretty similar styles anyway. But for me, that's what I like. I mean, we're currently drinking a pale ale, which I think is great too. Um, I like, I won't say all beer, mm. um, but I like a lot of beer. But in general, I'm a pretty beige beer drinker. You know, I, and I've always just liked lager. So yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I love my porters and my stouts. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah even, I, even during the warmer months, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> I, I can in the winter. I, I will. Yeah. I will. I'll have. A, but it won't, I won't sit on it for a night. Mm, like yeah, I, yeah. you know, I, I did one full night on Guinness, and um, that next day's <laughs> shit was still traumatic. You know, it's, yes. it's like tar yeah. coming out of you. And I, <laughs> just to be as graphic as possible, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, the the big flavors that sort of came. There was a big um, influx of IPAs mm. um, and double IPAs and. and they're great and they probably have the biggest sort of fan base mm. of beer nerds but I just I, I, was, I overdid it. The flavours are so intense. Yeah. I'm like, can I just have, have a normal beer? Fucking lager. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you were on a TV show called Fisk. Oh, yes. I absolutely yeah. I love that show and I love what Kitty's doing bringing uh, – Low, uh, comedians yes. onto her show and giving them a 
the space to shine. Yeah. Well, Kitty um, is very much a comedian's comedian. Yeah. She's always been very well respected by comedians and I turns out I think she really likes comedians, which yes. is lovely. <laughs> what was it like uh, filming that show? It was excellent. Um, I had, like most things, um, all I watch, the only things that I consume are DIY um, construction videos, yeah. uh, anything to do with woodwork mm. and anything to do with architecture and home design. I'm being That's the honest truth. That's all I watch. At the moment I have two other shows that kind of one fits within that. I'm watching Alone Australia and just loving it and um, I just hate watching Succession. Um, <laughs> fucking what a just despicable people that I despise. I've never watched a show before mm. where there's not one character you like. Every yeah. single one of them is gross. <laughs> yeah. The reason I'm saying that... Um, is I, I in general don't know what's going on, <laughs> and I, I I obviously knew Fisk was um, happening mm. um, because you know I, I do have social media and I notice sort of certain thing, but I didn't really have any concept of how loved it is. Yeah, like it's really like people love mm. it. I was on it for a tiny bit yeah, of the yeah. first episode of season two. Um, really great character. It was he was a really meaty, fun character, mm. but it, like I I I was a I think I was the sub story in that. Yeah, that the, uh, yeah, you were, yeah. So there was sort of two main yeah. stories happening, and I was the sub story. I have never been recognised for anything more than that. <laughs> That's crazy. Like I've hosted yeah. my own TV, a couple of my own TV shows that were network shows. <laughs> yeah. Like um, I, I've done specials, uh, I've done galas. I like, but yeah. that like maybe I don't know how many how much airtime I had, maybe five minutes or whatever. <laughs> like the next day, you yeah. you're that guy from Fisk, yeah. and for starters, the guy is a real reprobate, <laughs> sleazy looking dude. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's great to be recognised <laughs> for. But then I saw a post from the ABC that just said, um, if you had to watch one ABC show for the rest of your life, what would you watch? Mm. And there was a few different answers, but then it was just fisk, 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 everyone writing. <laughs> like it's very popular. And filming it was um, a real joy. Everybody, everybody on that set gets comedy. Mm really gets it mm. and they all have to stop themselves from laughing even though they've been in the read in the room where we did the read through and they you know we've done a few takes there you know the, the director'd say cut and they all burst into yeah. laughter and and um whether or not that is faked it doesn't matter they get that that's what the performer needs to yeah. know that they're being funny um I really enjoyed it yeah what does the uh, future hold for you um Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I, I am genuinely at a, at a transitional stage. I am very excited to say that I'm firing up uh, another one of my old podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Shitting with the Door Open. Um, Shitting with the Door Open. Because it's about parenting. <laughs> if you've got kids, you know. Um, uh, with my best mate, Wade Duffin. Um, so we've recorded about six episodes um, and hopefully we'll... Um, get that online uh, within the next couple of weeks. Uh, so that's happening. I'm moving mm -hmm. after 21 years of living in Melbourne. I'm going back to my spiritual home of Queensland. Oh, um, so that will... Melbourne will miss you. Oh, thanks, yeah. mate. I mean, <laughs> ironically, I'll probably be popping up yeah. at gigs yeah. even more in Melbourne than I have been over the course of the last few years because um, my oldest child who's now in high school is going to remain here to finish his high school mm -hmm. and so I, I will come down as often um, as I can to do gigs so that I'm also uh, with him. But um, So move to Queensland's exciting but I also don't know where and what I'm doing in Queensland and there is a potential that uh, next year 
um, I'll be living on my brother's farm mm. um, and um, uh, I'm not going to be a farmer because uh, the farm would burn down. Um, <laughs> I, I could burn a farm down in a flood. But uh, I, I'm very excited to be a part of that business. I'm a huge fan of my brother's uh, farm um, that's called Echo Valley. He's a regenerative farmer. He's doing the right stuff. He's doing what the, the earth needs. And um, I've always been a very keen cook and um, – I'm thinking about uh, trying to get some of his produce, which he sells out every week, um, to actually cook it and um, in some way supply that to festivals and markets and mm. that sort of thing. So maybe, maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm a cook in the future. I, I will never not be a comic. Yeah, but um, there, there, there might be uh, other things, other strings to my bow. What is the uh, comedy scene like in uh, Queensland? Mm. Mate, I have no idea. I don't yeah. know what the comedy scene's like here. Uh, <laughs> genuinely, I, I, I don't do a lot um, and haven't done for a fair few years. Um, I, I hear whispers of, of what goes on up there because I've got mates and mm. go and do gigs. Um, and I know the place that I first did my gig um, at uh, is still running, the sit-down comedy club, and there's good chat up there mm. and there's a few other gigs around. Um, yeah, I... I don't see myself having a heap of time to be able to go and do all of those gigs, um, though I, I hope that I've obviously be doing them more than I have because mm. um, I, I will be living there, except if I live at my brother's farm, um, I won't be doing those sort of weekly gigs at all ever. They're um, two hours out of Brisbane, right. so it's yeah. a hell of a commute. <laughs> Which is fair. <laughs> <laughs> two hours. Um, if there was a young bloke like you in today's time what what advice would you give to him if if you were to if you were to walk on the similar or the same path as you oh it sounds so much like my dad um <laughs> i used to can you give me another one of those yeah, I've, got, yeah. I've got problems it's right behind you yeah. um <laughs> uh i think i would um and up your bum <laughs> I'm reluctant to say this Happy because Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Hey. Um, I used to say don't have something to fall back on because you'll fall back on it. But now I would say have something to fall back on so that you're not stressed about the basics that you need. Um, I think I think being creative is easier. Um, when you know where your next meal is and, and that your bills are paid and your lights are on. Although really great stuff comes from really great trials and, um, yeah. and challenges. Um, and so I guess I'm just going to contradict myself. And it's kind of the same thing I say when people ask me, should they be a parent? And I'll say these two things to you and I mean both of them. You should definitely have kids mm-hmm. and you should definitely not have kids. And you've got to make the choice yourself. And I think the same thing with comedy. If you're getting into it, you should definitely have something to fall back on and you should definitely not have something to fall back on. That, that was very confusing to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, look, I, I just think it, it all means nothing, me giving advice to yeah. anyone coming into it because <laughs> my my journey has just been mine and, and things have happened for me in a way that they've happened mm. um, just because I'm I'm telling my own story. It's not a race. Mm. You're not competing with other people despite the fact that institutions that surround this art form continually try and turn this thing into a competition. It isn't. Mm. You're, just be you 
every joke has been written but your story hasn't been told. Mm. So if you tell your story, you will be unique and different to do that. But you may just never fucking make any money from it. True. Because it, because maybe there's no one that wants to buy your story. But that mm. doesn't mean you shouldn't tell it. True. Yeah. Wow. That was good. <laughs> that's, that's profound. Before we started this podcast, I told you um, – that I found you through another podcast called yes. The Little Dum Dum Club. Yes. And one of the most intelligent yeah, so, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, after hearing you on that podcast, I just went out to see your stand up show. And then I'd seen you multiple times over the years. Um, well, thank because you very of, much for the patronage. Um, so, how many fans do you get from that podcast? Um, I would say it's been quite good for me. I, I, before we started recording, I said, yeah, I was on the second ever um, Dum Dum and I'm one of the highest um, rotating guests. I only know that because somebody puts out the stats on it. I don't know who it is. Mm. They put this stat out on who's been on what. I'm like, oh, have I been on that many times? Um, and I, def- I definitely oh, – yeah, this is the thing about podcasts. There is no more dedicated fan than a podcast fan. From, from doing stand-up for 22 years, doing radio, uh, doing television – um, the the podcast fan is unbelievably dedicated. Mm. Whatever the podcast is, podcast is, I st- mm. I still have people from seventeen episodes of doing that's the drink talking. Yeah. Go, I love that podcast, <laughs> yeah. mate. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Or from shitting with the door open, um, Wade just decided uh, to call children and parents indiscriminately rap fucks, <laughs> and now I will. <laughs> I, like I was finishing Taboo, the, the the live recording of the stand up, and walking out, and the producers are all there at the door, and the audience that were filing out looked at me and just went, "Good job, you rat fuck." And they were like, "Why are people calling you a rat fuck?" I'm like, it "Doesn't matter, it's an in joke." Podcast fans are really dedicated, yeah. and I I think they're excellent. I'm so, and I definitely get a lot of. Dumb, dumb people coming to shows, which is mm. uh, wonderful. But I, I think from every podcast I've ever done, someone mm. will go, I heard you on that and that's why I wanted to come. Listen, there's, there's an intimacy to these kinds of conversations. Oh, yeah, definitely. Regardless of what style the podcast mm. is, people, um, I think, you know, you're in their head. Mostly yeah, people yeah. listen to podcasts in earphones and you're literally in them yeah. and they, and so they, they have this um, real connection with you. Mm. Well, we're definitely in the process of figuring out who mm. we are as podcasters because we're not professional anythings. Good. We we work. There's enough of those. We work in logistics uh, at a warehouse Monday to Fridays, and this is sort of our little outlet that we yeah. uh, that we just love to do. So it's so strange going back to work on a Monday <laughs> Monday after after having a good good time with with this. I think <clears throat> something about I love listening to other podcasts and doing one for a very short time is that. When you're listening to a podcast, it's a very rare opportunity that you get to sit in a room where there are very intelligent, experienced people talking. Like as an as an individual who doesn't have that wide of a circle, you get to listen to that. And mm. I think that's very valuable. Yes. And doing one myself, I've realized that it's uh, it's hard to uh, to navigate podcasts. It's hard to structure a you can't structure a conversation, can you? So well, no. I mean, it depends, right? You guys are having a general chat, and I, I yeah. assume that your podcast is is mostly about comics comedians. Uh, com- well, so I'm very much a comedy fan. Harmon's a photography fan as well, so right. we're trying to yeah. bring in photographers, comedians, Great. but we're also bringing in 
engineers and journalists as well. So, oh, great. That's yeah. awesome. And I think, you know, you can structure your questions around that. Yeah. But I've noticed both of you um, have had preloaded questions you've wanted to ask mm. and you've also uh, listened to what I've said and oh, then yeah. asked a question because of what mm, I've said. Yes. And you'd be surprised at how many professional interviewers have no concept of doing that. Mm. They have their pre-written questions, they fire them off and that's it. Whereas, you know, to have a conversation is actually to listen. Yeah, yeah. And and to hear that, um, and then you know go on from there. So I think you're doing a great job, and, and it turns out people just like listening to people talking. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. And there will be times that Dan would have his uh, favorite guests, and I would bring in my favorite guests, and Dan would have uh, written uh, questions for those people who he brings and he likes, and I'll have mine. And the other person would just pick off of that and just ask questions because you're listening to you know the conversation and uh, and this i think i love tapping into people's mind i just want i just want to steal their perspective on life well i think that's a great attitude uh at 25 to there's there's people that have a lot more years on you that uh, may not have um learnt that yet or or ever i think that's great Unless you have anything else, this is um, it's been great. a great podcast. It's, it, was, it was awesome podcast. We had a great chat with you, man. Oh, legend. Thank, Thank you, you so, much for, Thank for you so much for joining us here. today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Well done, boys. Yeah. That was a great chat. Thank you.